Jane Mansfield might be best known as Hollywood's attempt at a Marilyn Monroe replacement. And man, oh man, oh Mansfield! Who also met a tragic end. But there's a lot more to her story. She was a smart woman who wasn't afraid to go to some hilariously scandalous lengths to try to get the stardom she wanted. And she also has a connection to modern Hollywood that might surprise you. So here are some interesting things you might not have known about Hollywood icon Jane Mansfield. Born Vera Jane Palmer in 1933, Mansfield always had an eye towards Hollywood. As a child, she wanted to be a star like Shirley Temple. She got her first taste of performing when she began taking ballroom dance lessons when she was 12. And while she might have eventually gone on to play dumb blondes on screen, in real life, she was actually quite smart. Jane did well in school, spoke five languages, and played the violin and piano. I love to study French, Italian, I love good art. Jane got married to her first husband, Paul, at only 17, and they spent several years moving around to various colleges where they both took courses, including UCLA and the University of Texas at Austin. While in Los Angeles, Jane entered the Miss California contest and won the local round, but Paul found out and forced her to remove herself from the competition. Not one to be held back, she went on to compete in and win nearly 30 beauty pageants in the following years, including Miss Texas Tomato, Miss Fire Prevention Week, and Miss Potato Soup, though she did allegedly turn down the title of Miss Roquefort Cheese. During their stint in Austin, she had many jobs, including as a nude art model. Jane wasn't afraid to show her voluptuous figure to the world, and this freedom with her body would eventually be her ticket to the front pages and Hollywood stardom. Rome wasn't built in a day. She ain't Rome. What we're talking about is already built. In 1953, Jane moved to Dallas and studied acting with Baruch Lumet, father of iconic director Sidney Lumet. It was Baruch who helped Jane get her foot in the door with a screen test at Paramount in 1954. She and her family moved back to LA that year so she could start to properly pursue her career. And while she was waiting for her star to rise, she worked all kinds of odd jobs, from teaching dance to working as a restaurant photographer. Jane's voluptuousness didn't start out as a boon to her career. She actually lost a General Electric commercial gig because she looked a little too va-va-voom in the swimsuit for a family-friendly ad. But perhaps unsurprisingly, Hollywood studio heads saw things a little differently, with casting director Milton Lewis telling her that she was wasting her obvious talents trying to do drama. Instead, it was decided she should dye her hair platinum blonde and the studio would begin molding her into a new Marilyn Monroe. He lightened my hair and tightened my dresses, and this is the result. By the time Jane arrived in Hollywood in the mid-1950s, Marilyn had been at odds with the studios for years. She wanted more control over the character she played and her life in general, and the studios did everything they could to keep her under their thumb. As it became clear that Marilyn wasn't going to play their game anymore, the studio began looking for her replacement. They wanted a new bubbly, voluptuous blonde with a breathy voice that, they hoped, wouldn't cause problems. And Jane was more than happy to fill the role if it meant her shot at the big screen. But one thing Jane was not was demure. 
and she wasn't just going to wait around for the studios to get her name in the paper. Jane had a great knack for coming up with publicity stunts that would get her in the tabloids. I feel that there's a time and place for everything. <laughs> From loosening the threads on her spaghetti strap so that it would break off at just the right moment, in front of the cameras, of course, to giving Sophia Loren an eyeful, to her top somehow falling off in a pool while she just so happened to be surrounded by photographers at a press junket for a film she wasn't even in. One journalist at the time said that she suffered so many on-stage strap and zipper mishaps that nudity was, for her, a professional hazard. She was even allegedly dropped by her wardrobe designer because he worried that the sheer number of so-called wardrobe malfunctions she had made him look bad. Jane overtly used her sexuality to grab attention, a stark contrast to other bombshell starlets that always played coy and aloof. Sex appeal is a wonderful, warm, womanly, healthy feeling. Jane knew she was hot, and she was going to make sure everyone else knew it too. Due to her anything-for-fame attitude, some even consider her a precursor to modern reality TV and social media stars, with AP noting in 1961 that she has found a way to capitalize on fame which may create an entirely new kind of star. There's not much to the part, but the pay is spectacular. I feel that a star owes it to her public to, to bring the public into her life. They, they feel, the fans feel that they kind of own you, and if you, if you kept your life a complete secret, it wouldn't be fair to them. She was Playmate of the Month in February 1955, the year that also saw the release of her first film with her supporting role in Female Jungle, and her divorce from Paul. She signed a seven-year contract with Warner Brothers and had bit parts in several more films that year. But her first real success actually came on Broadway. She starred in Will Success Spoil Rock Hunter as vapid blonde sex symbol Rita Marlowe. Oh no. TV commercials. Oh no, I, I couldn't go for a guy who did that. Could I? It's the only kind you've missed. An obvious send-up of Marilyn, who had starred in the film version of playwright George Axelrod's other play, The Seven-Year Itch, just a year earlier. And the play was a huge success. Leave and walk out on all this publicity? <sighs> She then went on to star in the film adaptation of the play in 1957, which essentially got rid of everything from the play except for Jane's Rita, which was also loved by audiences and is still seen by many as Jane's signature film. After being dropped by Warner Brothers when she went to Broadway in 1955, she signed a new contract with 20th Century Fox in 1956. She starred in The Girl Can't Help It that same year, which was both critically acclaimed and one of the most successful films of that year. And Fox began promoting her as Marilyn Monroe, king-sized. Not wanting to only be known as a vapid blonde bombshell forever, for her next role, Jane wanted to switch gears. I feel that my figure has been publicized much more than my intellect, and I would like to change that." She went with a dramatic role as Camille in the 1957 film adaptation of John Steinbeck's The Wayward Bus. The film was only moderately financially successful, but Jane proved that she could really act, and even won the Golden Globe for New Star of the Year. But unfortunately, even these successes and her penchant for tabloid notoriety 
weren't enough to sustain her career for long. 1958's The Sheriff of Fractured Jaw was her last real mainstream success, but it was surrounded by a number of flops. Due to a string of pregnancies keeping her from being able to film, and some audiences apparently growing tired of her blonde bombshell shtick. As movies become more sophisticated, it's the old-fashioned sex symbol going out of date. Why don't you answer that? <laughs> By the early 1960s, Jane's movie career seemed to be stalling. She spent the end of her contract with 20th Century Fox being loaned out to productions in Italy and England. After several more years of flops, Jane would score her final financially successful film with 1963's Promises Promises, most of its success riding on the fact that Jane appeared in it completely naked making her the first mainstream actress to appear nude in a post-Hays Code film. While the film was a financial success, it also ruffled some feathers. The film was outright banned in Cleveland, Ohio, and Hugh Hefner had obscenity charges brought against him in Chicago after Playboy published nude pictures of Jane on the set of the film. Even as her star began to wane, Jane never gave up on her dream. She continued to take on the part she was able to get, and kept herself in the headlines through her publicity antics and in-person appearances, until tragedy struck. While working in film and television, Jane had also become very popular on the nightclub circuit, where she would perform for crowds around the US and across Europe. She was even one of the first, and highest paid, female headliners in Las Vegas. On June 28, 1967, Jane had just finished up her second engagement at a supper club in Biloxi, Mississippi, and set out for New Orleans along with three of her children, her boyfriend, and a driver. Unfortunately, at around 2.30 on the morning of the 29th, their vehicle crashed into the back end of a tractor trailer that had slowed down in front of them. The three children, who had been asleep in the back seat, thankfully survived with minor injuries. But the adults, including Jane, were killed instantly. Her untimely death at only 34 years old led to the NTSB mandating that tractor trailers add on underride guards made of steel tubing, sometimes called Mansfield bars, in an attempt to save anyone else from also meeting this gruesome fate. One of Jane's children that survived the wreck that night continued on in Jane's steps by becoming a Hollywood icon in her own right, though by taking a slightly different path. Jane's fourth child is someone you'll probably recognize, Mariska Hargitay of Law & Order fame. Mariska was born in 1964, technically after her mother Jane and father Mickey Hargitay had separated, but before the divorce was finalized. She was only three years old when she lost her mother in the accident, and has spoken about how it still affects her to this day, telling Good Housekeeping that it created a hole in my life that won't ever be filled. I will never get over it. I will always be a girl who lost her mom. Though Mariska has shied away from comparisons to her superstar mother, she did take after her in many ways. She was a pageant queen, being crowned Miss Beverly Hills USA in 1982, and becoming fourth runner-up in the Miss California USA pageant in 1983, and attended UCLA to study acting. Mariska worked in Hollywood in a series of bit parts for years, until she finally struck gold when she was cast as Detective Olivia Benson in Law & Order Special Victims Unit in 1999, a role she's still playing to this day. In 2013, Mariska received a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame right next to her mother's, 
sweetly cementing their legacies together forever. Beautiful, beautiful symbol of the two of us together, my mother's star and mine forever in this very special place. To many, Jane is solely remembered for her few years of tabloid antics as the new, even more voluptuous Marilyn Monroe, or for the unfounded rumors surrounding her untimely death. But she deserves to have her legacy show the reality of her full humanity. I love hearing stories of when people met her and they always have such lovely things to say about her. She was funny and beautiful and caring. and. Uh, that, that means a lot to me. She was smart and did what she had to do to achieve her dreams and take care of her family. I have five beautiful children that I have brought up myself. I have been the sole support of all five. And never let naysayers bring her down. She carved out her place not as a replacement, but as a star in her own right. That's the take. Click here to watch the video we think you'll love, or here to check out a whole playlist of awesome content. Don't forget to subscribe and turn on notifications.